Good morning. You can be seated and I'll stand. Or I could just be seated, right? Uh, no, I'll just stand and preach. There are many benefits to having faith in God. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament, verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Our world needs hope, wouldn't you say? Our friends and neighbors need to know that there's a brighter day. Today can be a brighter day. Tomorrow can be a brighter day. When the voices all around us are saying it's never going to get any better than this. All we have before us is darkness. And that's what we're hearing. But it's not true. So if we're to have hope then faith has to be the substance of that. Because God tells us that through His inspired writer. Faith is the substance of hope. Without faith, how can anyone have hope when faith is the substance of it? When you get rid of the substance of something, then the very something itself disappears. So it's all about having faith in God. Read on down, chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please Him, God. For he who comes to God must, and he's going to describe faith, believe that He is. There's something more. Believe that He is and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. To have faith is to believe in God and then seek after God. Last Sunday we looked at the first of six benefits of faith in God. We looked at the fact that faith in God determines what God can do in my life. We looked at in the Old Testament in Isaiah 59 the first two verses, where Isaiah writes about God and God's power and how if you and I have problems and issues in our lives that are unresolved, God is not the issue. And if God is not the issue, what or who is the issue? And then Isaiah prophesies, he, a prophetic word is... God is speaking through His prophet, Isaiah, to the human race. And God is saying to human beings, My hand is not so short that I can't save you. My ear is not so deaf that I can't hear you. But your sins and your iniquities have separated between you and your God, you and me. So that God is saying, I will not hear. It's not, the, the question is not what God can do or what He can't do. 
God can. The question is, can I? Can I believe in God? Can I diligently seek God? Can I put my faith in Him? We looked at several other texts from the Bible that I'm not going to continue to go into and re-preach that lesson because if I do that, we won't get into today's lesson, which is equally important. The second benefit of faith in God is simply this. Having faith in God solves impossible problems. God can solve problems that look to us impossible. God can. And if God can do little things, and He can, and if God can do big things, and He can, if God can do possible things, He can. If God can do impossible things, at least to us, He can. Then what's the problem with my problem? It's not God. God can. Then who could it be? And you may be saying, well, it's not me. Really? That may be the problem. Many times my problems are just that, me. I stand in the way of answered prayer. I stand in the way of progress in my life. I stand in the way of renewal in my life. I stand in the way of, of, of a peace and contentment in my own heart. I stand in the way of myself. Now, we're going to look at three texts in the Bible. One of them was read for us. That'll be the last one. To get us to thinking about, and maybe you're out there in the audience this morning thinking, now, there's some things that even God can't do. Really? And you might, if you're a Bible student, you might be saying, well, I can tell you one, Brother Mickey, right now, God cannot lie. Well, now that's true. Or is it? God can do anything. He is sovereign. He is all-powerful. Let me repeat what I just said. The question is not what God can or cannot do. Listen, if God wanted to lie, He would lie. But Mickey, but the Bible says God, God cannot lie because He will not lie. It's, it's, an, it's an, an opposition to who He is. And you'll have to study deeper into what God cannot do. He cannot do simply because He will not do. He cannot save a person in heaven, who rejects and denies His Son as the Savior. Jesus Himself said this in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except by Me. Do you believe that? I do. 
Jesus not playing with us. He's telling us the truth. Oh, then in that case, God cannot save someone who denies His Son. You see, again, we're, we're approaching it wrong. We're asking the wrong question. It's not what God can or cannot do. It's what God will and will not do. God can save anybody He wants to. And He's not going to ask mine or your permission to do it. I mean, can you imagine me? And I don't know how exactly it's going to be on Judgment Day. There's all sorts of pictures in the Bible, like the one in Matthew chapter 25, about halfway down through the end of the chapter, where Jesus pictures the judgment as a shepherd dividing the sheep from the goats. You've read that, I'm sure, if you're a Bible student. If you haven't, turn to Matthew 25. Read, I think it's like 26 or 36 on down toward the end of the chapter, and you'll see that picture. And it'll picture in your mind a, a shepherd saying, Okay, you goats over here, you sheep over there. And then, he'll, then the shepherd talks to the sheep and tells them how good they are. Because you, you've lived a good life. The, the, the goats, he said, You know what? You messed up. And so to the sheep, he says, well done, come on and enter into the joy of your Lord. To the goats, he says, depart from me, I don't know you. And there's a picture like that that he gives of, of how it is. But can you imagine the, if it's this way, everybody's standing before the judgment seat of Christ, and Christ is on his judgment seat, and, and uh, Joe Johnson... I know there's lots of Joe Johnsons, but anyway, Joe Johnson is called before Christ. Christ is on his judgment seat, all his mighty and holy angels, the patriarchs, maybe, ever how it is. Jesus is all, he has all authority. That's Matthew 28, verse 18. All authority has been given to me, both in heaven and on the earth. I've got it, he says, I'm the judge. He, now he's the Savior. Here he's the judge. And Joe Johnson comes before the Lord and we all know Joe Johnson, okay? Let me take a little sideline and hope I don't forget where I am. I had one of my family members to pass on years ago. And one of my other family members finally found a preacher who would do his service. You get my drift? And we went, you know, Cindy and I went to the service. I had all my cousins and, you know, various one, uh, family members. And the preacher got up and my, my, he preached the most beautiful heaven-sent sermon you have ever heard. Later, one of my cousins came to me and said, Mickey, what'd you think about the service? I said, well, what'd you think? He said, well, the things that that preacher said were beautiful. And I really don't know who he was talking about. <laughs> but he wasn't talking about, you know, name my family member. But let's suppose Jesus is on the judgment seat, and he is, uh, Joe Johnson's standing here, and we all know Joe Johnson. It'd be hard to find a preacher to preach his service too. And Jesus says to Joe Johnson, 
Well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of your Lord. Who in here is going to jump up and wave their hands and say, Wait a minute, Jesus. And I wanted to have Jesus look and say, Oh, I didn't know I had to check with you. God can do anything and everything in the impossible. But see, the question, see, that's the wrong question. Again, the question is, what will God do? See, my faith in God, believing in Him and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. That's me, you, who love God and we want to live our lives for God. Because of the grace and mercy that we've received from Him in our lives. Not that we're trying to to do enough good to get there. Because we can't. Jesus did enough good to get us there. And so I'm going to go into heaven hanging on to His coattail. And if God asks me anything or the Lord Jesus asks me anything, I'm just going to declare Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And in that I, and in Him I rely on His grace and mercy in my life and Lord, I'm following Him to the best of, that I could. Now, there's three texts that I want to look at. That, again, the first one was read for us, and that was from Matthew chapter 17. But let's back up to Matthew chapter... No, no, let's go ahead to Matthew chapter 17, 24 through 27. Very interesting. Jesus and Peter are going into the temple. And one of the people in authority came to Peter and said, "Uh, I'm here to collect your taxes. It seems that there was a temple tax that had to be paid. And this official asked asked Peter, "Has, has your master, as the teacher, paid the taxes? Well, Peter comes to to Jesus and said, "Uh, we got to pay taxes. Now remember, remember now, when Peter became a disciple, remember what he did for a living? He fished. And remember that, that's key. When he he started following Jesus, what did he give up to follow Jesus? Everything. They left their nets and their boats and their fishing and followed Jesus. Remember Jesus declaring to them, "From from now on you will no longer fish for fish. You are now fishing for men, human beings. You're fishing now for a different kind of fish, for men. And so now for more or less three years, well, not more, a little less than three years, Peter had been following Jesus, depending on Jesus. Do you remember who was the treasurer of Jesus and the twelve apostles? Judas Iscariot, the one who kissed Jesus and betrayed him, went out and committed suicide. And we know from John that Judas had been stealing or embezzling or pilfering from the money that, the, that Jesus and the disciples used for their livelihood. So Jesus now and Peter are here at the temple 
and it's time to pay taxes. Has, have you ever come to April 15th and needed money to pay taxes? And you thought everything was all right until your accountant or your tax man says, oh, by the way, you're, you owe this much more? Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you haven't. If you've experienced, you know kind of how it feels to have taxes due and not have the money to pay them. And to you and me, if we've experienced that, it might seem like an impossible problem. How are we going to come up? Cindy and I have been there a time or two. What? I owe what? How? Well, here, here, here. What you should have and could have and would have, you didn't. And now, what? and she and I get together. How are we going to do this? Well, Peter came to Jesus. Jesus said, Peter, you know what he told Peter to do? You've got to read these, you know, uh, Matthew 17, 24 through 20. So what, did he tell, what did he tell Peter to do? He said, Peter, what are you good at? I've often read this and thought, what if it had been Matthew? Now, what was Matthew? A tax collector. Oh, boy. That's a whole different story there. What if with Luke? Let's say Luke. What was he? Doctor. Uh, Paul. What was he? A tent maker. So you had Peter, a fisherman. That's what he did for a living before Jesus. Paul was a tent maker. Matthew was a tax collector. Luke was a physician, a doctor. But here, we didn't have Luke. We didn't have Paul. It was Peter. And I've wondered this, you know, if it were you or me, would he say, Mickey, what are you good at? Well, I'm your man. I'm, I'm your messenger. I, I, I'm a gospel preacher. He, told, he says to Peter, go, drop a hook in the water. Something Peter was good at. The fish that you bring up, with the hook, open its mouth and you'll find money, a coin. Take the coin, go to the official and pay both your taxes and mine. You see, faith in God can solve impossible problems. Now, I, I'm not much of a fisherman, but I've fished in my life many times. And I have yet to pull a fish up and found money in its mouth. But I do know this. There is money in fishing. There is money in tax collecting. There is money in tent making. There is money in doctrine. And there is money in preaching. It could be when you are facing impossible problems that God is offering you an opportunity to do what you do to solve that impossible problem that you have. To Peter, 
Go fishing, son. I'll provide. If you're a mechanic, you get your tools ready, son. If you're a nurse, daughter of mine, get ready. There was a time, been a few years ago, you know, the congregation here at Waterson Trail, they, they pay me a salary enough where I don't have to have a full-time job, a secular job. And I, I appreciate our elders and the congregation for allowing me to have more time for study and research and, and visitation and other things that I can do for the community. And I, I want to tell you how much I appreciate that. Very much. And so when someone, when I, let's say I hold a, I, I do a wedding for a couple or I hold a funeral service for, for someone, a family, and oftentimes they come up to me and they say, what do we owe you for your service? And I appreciate their thoughtfulness. But normally, and 100% of the time, I say, I give them that same spiel. I say, look, the congregation pays me a salary so that I can serve you in this capacity at no charge. And they'll say, but I don't feel good about that because you have spent countless hours with us at the hospital or funeral home or at our home or whatever it might be. And I don't feel good. And I always say, well, i tell you what you can do for me. <laughs> and you'll think this is selfish. You can come to church on Sunday... And when the offering plate is passed, put a little in there. See, I'm doing two things. I make this number bigger, this one here. That's what I, I want to make this one bigger, and I want to make this one bigger. And so do we all. We want the church to grow in every way. Wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. But, I'm, but occasionally people will say, no, I'm not going to do that. Take this. And they'll stick it in my pocket or whatever. And so, and you know what I do? Like any good friend would do, I don't want to rob them of the blessing of their gift. They're going to be blessed, doesn't the Scripture tell us it is more blessed to give than to receive? Yes. They're receiving a blessing of giving. I'm receiving a blessing of receiving. They may be more blessed than me, but we're both blessed. There, there was a time that I served someone who was not a member of the congregation and spent hours and received no thank you. A second one, hours, no thank you. A third one, hours, no thank you. And you know, when a preacher can't talk to anybody else, he'll talk to his wife. You know, we don't complain very much, but when we do, God has given us a partner, our wives, to complain to. And so there was one day I said, you know, hon, it just doesn't seem fair. All of these hours, Saturday and Sunday and Fridays, and, you know, what's an off day, right? And she said, it's okay, hon. She did not use today's uh, text or today's uh, theme, God is able to do anything and our faith in Him can solve impossible problems. But you know, preachers sort of have limited funds too sometimes. And I'm like, you know, 
there's more month this month than money, and I've spent all this time, and Lord, are you seeing what I'm doing? And my wife is like, he sees, he knows, just have faith. And then I got this phone call from one of our dear sisters, and she said, my nephew died, we're going to have a graveside service only. We'd like, I don't want him to be buried without a few words said for him. Mickey, could you meet us at the cemetery? It'll be me and my sister and my nephew. That's all. And so I drive up in the car to the cemetery, and there is the, the hearse or funeral coach sitting there with one guy. The, the casket's already on the, on the top of the, of the uh, vault, and two sisters are standing there. And I walk up and, you know, have my Bible and, and she says, well, thank you for coming. You're so kind. And she just bragged and bragged. And I said, no, it's no big deal. I want to do this. This is, this is I'm blessed. It's my, my honor to do it. And she said, well, could you just like read Psalm 23 maybe and have a prayer? I think we sung Amazing Grace, the three of us. And I read Psalm 23 and I didn't know him, had a prayer. And she handed me a card and I put it in my Bible. Later on, I took the card out. Four $100 bills. And I bent down on the ground and cried and repented for my little faith. And I went back to my wife and I said, forgive me. All along, God would tell us, just do what you do. Whatever it is you're, you do, you go, if you're a pharmacist, show up for work. There'll be prescription orders coming in that you had no idea would come in. Because God can do impossible things and He can solve impossible problems. If you can cook... Cook a meal for somebody. Just bake that cake. It might bring $300 at an a American Heritage girls auction. It's happened. I mean, whatever it is, if you wrestle, wrestle. Wrestle for God. If you, if you do some kind of uh, uh, sports, do that for God. My sister-in-law, she's big into... Uh, semi-pro tennis and she has shared the gospel of Jesus Christ countless times with the people that she meets on the tennis court just do what you do serve God that's what he's telling Peter go fishing it'll all work out we may not find a coin in a fish's mouth but we may catch a fish and sell it and come back and pay the taxes whatever it is Second passage. Of course, Proverbs chapter 3, 3 through 5, one of my fa- I mean 5 and 6, one of my favorite passages. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He'll show you the way. He will direct your path. He'll make your path straight. Just serve Him. Get up every morning and go to work. Get up, go to bed every evening and put your faith in Him in prayer. 
Remember His Word every day of your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He will show you the way. Second passage, Matthew chapter 15. You have to go back up a couple of chapters. A Gentile woman. Now Jesus was sent to the Israelites first to preach the word to those Israelites who should have known God. But this Gentile, who was not an Israelite, she came to Jesus and said, I have an impossible problem. I've got, my child is demon-possessed. She's, she's sick. I can't do any, I can't help her. And you know, Jesus looked at her and said, well, listen to this. It is not appropriate for me to take the food for the Israelites, God's people, and give it to the dogs. Now how would you feel if somebody called you a dog? You think I'm going to give something good to you? Most of us, because of our pride, will say, you know what? I'll just show you. And turn our tails away and we'll stomp off to our daughter who's still demon-possessed. Or we would humble ourselves and know who it is we're talking to. I mean, have you ever prayed to God this way? Oh God, please help me. And then later, God, I knew you wouldn't do it. You help all these other people, you know. I guess I just got to do it my own. And I'll show you. Shake our fist at God. Point up to Him. This woman, she didn't do that. You know what she said? You'll have to read it. Master, Lord, yes, that may be true. I'm just a dog. But, But don't the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table? Wow. Can you pray that way, Lord? It's me. Man, I've got some impossible problems. And God, I know you've got a lot to do. And, my, and you, you've got more problems than I do. And I know that there's a lot of people that deserve your help more than me. Father, you know as well as I do that I have not lived the way I should. I've made many mistakes. I've talked when I should have been silent. I've been silent when I should have talked. I've been mean when I should have been kind. I mean, Lord, I don't deserve anything you have for me. But if you could just, if you could just give me a few crumbs, I certainly would appreciate it. Let me tell you, he got she got Jesus' attention, didn't she? Lord, even dogs deserve the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus told her, He said, I haven't found 
great faith like It's been a long time since I've seen faith like this. And she, he said, be it done to you according to your desire. And from that hour, that demon left her, helped her daughter. She was healed. Why? Because, because our faith in God can solve impossible problems. Finally, to our text. A man had brought a demon-possessed son to Jesus' disciples who had been given special powers as they preached the truth. The description of this young boy in the modern translation say epileptic. My daughter is a fourth grade school teacher and and there's a, she teaches in a, in a school that's inclusive. So in her class, there's, there's geniuses and there's children in a wheelchair that have epilepsy. And normally they have aids in the class. And it's a, in certain classes, she teaches these children like she does the ones that have a high IQ, you know. Not saying that... See, it's, I'm trying to dance around things, but... It's, I, I've seen someone who couldn't control their muscle movements. Maybe you have too. Maybe it's a family member. Or couldn't, couldn't uh, control their voice. So a lot of times, you know, in her classroom, a child would just scream. If you're a teacher, maybe you've experienced some of these things. It's something you just get accustomed to because... That's just how it is. But, but this man who brought Jesus, this person who can't control his muscle movements, uh, the older translation said he was moonstruck. Uh, he, was, he had a mental illness. And the description was is this demon that lived in him, this disease he had or whatever it was, would sometimes just throw him into the fire. I mean, he would be, I could see at home in the fireplace and the boy would just jump into the fire and have to be pulled out. Or they'd be walking by a, a lake and the boy would just jump into the lake. He said often he would jump, he would fall into the fire and he'd fall into the water and nothing could be done for him. See, to this daddy, this is an impossible problem. Then he says, I brought him, I couldn't get to you maybe, I brought him to your apostles and they could not Help him. Oh, notice Jesus' response. To me, it's frustration. You know, it is not sinful to be frustrated. Now, what we do with that frustrated, frustration, that could become sin. I mean, how many of you ever get frustrated? Oh, none of this group, right? None of the group assembled here today, we have... We never get frustrated, you know, as we're going to work in an hour's worth of traffic. We never get frustrated with drivers in front of us or around us. You know, none of them are on their cell phones. None of them are putting makeup on. All of them are driving the speed limit. They're staying an appropriate distance behind us, like we are, right? No one gets frustrated at work with a boss that takes the credit for everything you do. Oh, you don't get frustrated, right? 
So let me ask a question. You ever get frustrated? I mean, you look at me like, not me. Oh, come on, right? We all do. Jesus, now how are you gonna, what are you going to do about it? You're going to lose your temper? That's sinful. You're going to speak words that a Christian shouldn't speak? Uh-oh. Let no word proceed out of your mouth but that which edifies and gives grace to the hearers. Is that you? See, frustration can bring out the worst in us or it can bring out the best in us, depending on how we respond. Jesus was frustrated. He looked at His disciples and He says, How long shall I be with you? I mean, how many miracles do I have to do before you will put your faith in me? Before you will believe that I'm who I say I am? I mean, how many multitudes have I got to feed with five loaves and two fishes? How many blind men have you got to see me put my hands on their eyes and them wake up seeing? How many people who are dead do I have to raise before you finally believe in me? And he said, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? How shall I put up with you? Oh, you of little faith. Then he says, bring him to me. I don't know if he said it that way. Maybe he said, bring him to me. He did. And he said, get out. That demon left him. He was healed. Later, the disciples said, Master, why was it that we couldn't do what needed to be done to solve this impossible problem? He said, because you didn't believe. You didn't have faith. You had little faith. Then he says, if you have a, a, a faith as a mustard seed... Yeah, little that is, just a dot. You will say to this mountain, be moved and it will be done. And he said this, nothing will be impossible to you. Now I know he was talking to, to the disciples. I know the apostles lived in the apostolic age of the church. I know they had gifts and abilities that were supernatural far and above what you and I have today. However... Our faith in God can solve impossible problems. Am I saying you always get what you want? Shake your head like this. I am not saying you're always going to get what you want. Am I saying that God will provide? Shake your head like this. Nod your head. Absolutely. In His time, in His way, He will provide for us and for you and for me and all of those who love Him, who are called according to His will. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Now we know that all things work together for good. To who? To whom? To those who love the Lord, to those who are the called according to His purpose. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, the Bible says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, who, how many is all? It's hard to des describe, isn't it? All means, well, all. Right? Everybody. 
No one left out. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will take care of you. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. There's a way. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You'll find rest in your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. In John chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, Jesus says, I am the door. Come in. I am the door. By me, if anyone enters in, he shall be saved. I can solve impossible problems. He shall be saved. He'll come in and out and find pasture. I'll take care of him. Now we have an enemy, the thief, the devil. He wants to steal, kill, and to destroy anything you have and who you are. If you're afraid, it's not from God. If you're doubting, it's not from God. God wants you to be believing. He wants you to be faithful. He wants you to be loving and kind. If you're some other way, it's not from Him. Today, second benefit of faith. Your faith in God, whatever problem you have, can be solved. If you're a Christian, live the Christian life. If you're a Christian and hadn't been behaving the way you should as a Christian, make a change. If you're not a Christian, that's what you need to do today. And you can do that as we offer this invitation just for you as we stand together, as we sing.